We tried turning it off and back on again. <laughs> it's funny how, how uh, reliable of a solution it is to just restart something. So stupid. Yeah, happy How's Wednesday. How's it going, man? Yeah, happy Wednesday. How's it going? Um, I am getting onboarded to my new job. Yeah, that's taking, exciting. Uh, yeah, it's... it's um, so this is like the the coming out episode, I guess. Um, <laughs> I just started a uh, a new job at Facebook as a product manager this week, and um, I'm very excited. Uh, I think it's really nice to finally be part of something where there's um, like there's like hundreds of PMs and a lot of people that know what they're doing, a lot of support systems, and uh, not just being kind of thrown into the deep end uh, on your first week, which is kind of what I'm used to when I start a new job. So it's really cool. It's the people have been super great so far. And um, while I won't be able to like talk about anything specific that's happening at the company, I, you know, definitely looking forward to sharing just like high level um, kind of like thoughts and opinions about what it's like to work at a place like this as I get ramped up because my perspective as of right now is still. Uh, like what is it, I, I day know nothing. Three? Yeah, I, I know nothing. Yeah, day three. I know nothing about what it's like to work there, uh, other than just like some of the tools and the onboarding experience I've gone through so far. But uh, yeah, super excited to have landed uh, at a you know like a um, a stable company in the current period, which is like full of uncertainty. Yeah, um, must be a weird time to be at Facebook, though. <laughs> Yeah, not that, not that you need to get into it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we would be remiss to not acknowledge the like weird things going on culturally, let alone uh, economically and health-wise and all of that. Um, yeah, yeah, I just have to say that <laughs> definitely. And you know, there's nothing, there's nothing that I really have to add other than just kind of like maybe highlighting some of the things that have been shared publicly, um, which are essentially um, the, the CEO of the company uh, has been very public about the policy decisions Facebook's made, why Facebook's made them. Um, I'm not going to comment on any of that, but I will say that there's a lot of uh, internal dialogue happening uh, that's also been on the news that, you know, um, like when you come inside of Facebook, there is a lot of very it's like visible discussion about the issues. And um, I think that's like a really positive thing because Facebook's essentially full of a bunch of diverse perspectives. And um, it's, it's fascinating uh, to, to just like see what the human fabric of a company at that scale is like in a time like this. Um, where like the working from home situation on top of the pandemic situation on top of the black lives matter movement on top of the election year. Um, it's like all of these are just factors uh, that are kind of compounding on top of each other to add just like real things that need to be thought about. And I'm just impressed with the, the amount of thought and consideration that the leadership of the company is putting into these things. And, It'll, it's interesting that everyone is like well-intended at this company. There's a bunch of people who come from all kinds of underrepresented backgrounds. I've personally been spending a lot of time already in onboarding with a lot of uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives, anti-discrimination initiatives, 
Um, so as far as like any of the companies I've worked for, this is definitely the most forward, uh, forward thinking company that uh, I've been part of. And yeah, I agree with you. It would have been a little bit of an elephant in the room if we didn't just kind of like talk about it. But what I'll say is if someone thinks that Facebook is uh, full of bad people, uh, you're wrong. It's like full of, there's like a ton of amazing people at this company. I have a lot to learn from them. Um, and you know, it's, there's really not a, a, got a playbook in the world for how to go about handling, um, almost 3 billion people's information in one system. Um, it's bigger than any single country. It's, it's bigger than any other platform in the world, as far as the number of users. So, uh, I'm just kind of humbled to be part of the, the, the team. And I, I have like a ridiculous amount to learn about all of this stuff. That's awesome. It's really awesome having that mentality. Uh, I, and I, I completely identify with what you just said around, this is a much bigger problem than anyone really gives it credit for. Not, not really like to be specific, I'm talking about the problem of like what Facebook's challenged and charged with doing, um, not to mention all the other problems that kind of gets itself caught in the middle of by doing that. And yeah, they have a lot of smart people there. I've interviewed people from Facebook. I've worked with ex-Facebook people. They bring in really smart people and they have a really tough problems to solve. So yeah, that's I, I'm I'm excited that you're excited. It's it's a weird spot to be in, but um I guess it's good that it's good that there there's open and constructive dialogue happening. Uh, I wish that would happen in our governments. Um, and it seems like it's happening in some state and local governments. I don't know if uh, it'll ever happen at the federal level, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about product stuff. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of, it's an important aspect of just product in general to think about the humans that use what we build and how, how what we build is going to end up being used. And, and you know, like while, while we people can dwell a lot on, like, I think the downsides of, a, of a, like nothing is perfect, right? In general, nothing's perfect. So people can like critique the downsides of something like Facebook um, or, or Google or any other platform all day. Um, but I think it's important as, as just like an optimistic person in general to always try to look at the the positive and things as well and um in our current situation the video of um of george floyd being essentially murdered not essentially being murdered on uh by police officers was published on facebook um and it reached essentially the whole world uh, it wasn't published on YouTube. It wasn't published on other platforms. It was published on on this platform that's also being criticized essentially for not doing enough. Um, so these tools that are built, um, they're just tools. And I think that just like they can be used for good, they could be used for for other things. So yeah, I agree with you. It's it, We didn't come here to talk about politics or anything, but I think as just like product builders in general, you know, we've as PMs, we think about people and we think about the problems that people experience and try to think about the things that we can do to make sure that what we're building is used for the right reasons and it's used for good. Um, so if, if someone is in the world is worried about a, a platform like Facebook, the best thing that could happen is you could want high integrity individuals to go work there so that they could 
uh, represent the best interest of, of you and other people that use the platform. So totally. Yeah. But what, what's, uh, what's going on with you? How are you? Um, we haven't really talked about a lot of what's happening in the world. I think we skipped last week's episode, uh, because neither of us felt like it would be, it just felt wrong, um, to, to do a, a product related episode last week when a lot of this stuff was still new and raw, but how are yeah. you? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm doing better than I was last week. I'll say that much. Um, yeah, it, it felt weird to talk about product stuff last week. It also felt weird to try and put something out there that was like taking a point of view, not to say that either of us have a point of view or don't have a point of view, but I felt myself really struggling. And, and actually this is relevant to the points about Facebook you just described, like, I found myself really struggling with what to say, not necessarily what to even do, because I I completely like I completely support the notion that Black Lives Matter, and I completely support the notion that unnecessary police brutality is a horrible thing that needs to be cleaned up and dealt with. Um, and I found myself donating to causes that were. Um, better position to further those notions and challenge challenge the the pushback to those notions and amplifying voices and reading more voices, but like it felt very either disingenuine or extra noisy to add my own noise to the conversation. And I've definitely heard other people say like, well, if your noise is getting more word out there and getting um, more like raising the visibility to the issues that you are helping to like push forward, why not add your voice? Like there's no harm in adding your voice. I feel really confused about how my voice adds to my Instagram and Facebook feeds to speak to the company that you now work for. When... 90% of those feeds are echo chamber and the other 10% are people who don't want to hear what I have to say. I, I found myself last week in a really confused state where, and frankly, a little bit disenchanted because I wanted my voice to be adding something, but I felt like it, it wasn't, it wasn't going anywhere that it needed to go to. I didn't find myself in a position where I could effectively change the minds of anybody or, or, or do anything different other than show my support, which I already had been doing. And it's interesting thinking about that in context of what you just, just said with the integrity of the people that are working at a place like Facebook and not just Facebook, but really any place where people gather, Twitter, Instagram, Nextdoor, LinkedIn, any, any technology that is supporting or platforming the community because if the goal of a community platform is to help advance ideas that are not, or raise visibility to ideas and causes and things like that, that are um, not being addressed successfully in the real world, then I would want those networks and platforms to succeed at that. And they definitely do in some ways, like you said, video of a black man being murdered by police and many other videos in the past of the same thing wouldn't be shared with anybody if social networks didn't exist but 
if you're sharing them inside an echo chamber, which is totally not like that's not a sweeping general statement. That is a that is a thing that I feel personally just by nature of what I see on my in my feeds. To put it simply, as that um, it it leaves me not knowing what to do, even though I'm already doing a bunch of stuff. Which then begs the question: How much of that is really like Facebook and Instagram's job? How how do I know as a user? that my voice is being picked up by other people when I'm not seeing anything other than my echo chamber. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know the answer to that question other than I really hope and feel frankly kind of encouraged by what you just said that people at Facebook are thinking about this problem. Definitely are. It's like, I mean, people at Facebook are just people and they, they live in all of the same cities that people that don't work at Facebook live at. Um, like in San Francisco, the Bay Area, New York, like anyone that works at non Facebook tech companies is essentially similar to the people that work at Facebook. Um, so they're surrounded by the same friends, families, and they're getting all the same inputs that you and I are getting, or I was getting before being at Facebook. Um, so th then there's like a, a deep, deep, like empathy with like the issues in the company that you're talking about and the, the desire to represent diverse perspectives, but also I think um, not monopolize the conversation in one direction or the other, because like to break down what it, what it means to be in an echo chamber, because I think it's an interesting concept is you're, you're essentially like in theory, um, if we're seeing polarization in our country, then the people on the far right or the whatever we define the, as the right as, um, they might be in an, a right, a right-wing echo chamber uh, in which they're essentially getting a bunch of information from other right-wing people and then if you're in the left wing then you're getting a bunch of information in your echo chamber from left-wing people and there's not a lot of cross-pollination in a in a polarized society between the the far left and the far right um, and what you're seeing globally is essentially that happening it's happening uh it's been happening over the last few years it, it's definitely not a new thing um, but I think we've hit a certain kind of like critical point where it feels like I, I'm actually hearing a lot of people say they 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 want to combat not not inside of Facebook but just in in society like people saying they want to combat polarization. But if you're on the far left, I haven't heard a lot of people on the far left saying that they want to openly discuss things with people on the far right. They kind of like other them. Like, I haven't seen a lot of dialogue between anyone on the far right and the far left, but people are still saying they want to see depolarization. So I'm imagining that um, if the depolarization takes form as like all of us becoming either left or right, I think people on those sides would be happy. Um, but I think the truth of depolarization is I'd like to almost see like if you imagine like a bell curve. Um, I would just like to see like the middle area under the bell curve, like the amount of like people like moderates or people that can understand both sides or people that have like more nuanced opinions about a series of topics kind of like in the middle. And like, I'd like to see the amount of radicals go down. Um, that's personally what I would like to see in society. And then let the, you know, you're, you're never going to get rid of the fringes, but I think that, um, the concern about echo chambers is that they actually do the opposite thing and they kind of flatten the bell curve so that there's a higher percentage of the population in the fringes. And I think that's something that's like definitely concerning. Nice flatten the curve callback, by the way. That was, that was yeah. good today. 
to to not uh to not uh (laughs) neglect coronavirus um yeah i mean i i get a lot of what you're saying i think this is like interestingly a different there's so many different ways to look at this like problem that we find ourselves in now which is like i i feel you on some of the like hyper liberal versus hyper hyper conservative nature of some issues then there's some that are in 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 some cases seems so obvious to people in including myself like i i've listened to multiple podcasts and listened to a lot of people say tweet about write about etc something that i pretty much agree with which is like black lives matter man and like i'm like that is not something that falls in a political spectrum like life is more important than like killing um yes. and it, it, it's really shameful and frustrating that that is being put on a political spectrum in which people who are on the far right and talking about, let's say, like, basically it, it, refusing to acknowledge that life for African Americans, life for Black people, life for marginalized people is a basic human right by kind of bending it into this like political conversation about war and the rights of police and, and all of these other things. Mm. Um, and and I feel like to bring this back to product and technology and Facebook and stuff, like I feel like there's definitely more to be done by not just like the Facebooks of the world, but also like anybody with a voice in general to like apply, I don't I don't even want to call it nuance, but really call these things what they really are. And I feel very uncomfortable saying that having thought about Donald Trump as the guy who was like touted by his supporters as someone who tells it like it is, which is obviously not the case in many ways. Um, But I I think we need to be doing a better job. And I I would encourage, um, I'm really interested to see what Facebook does here. and and I and I and I think there's a lot more care and nuance that needs to go into it, other than what Twitter did, which is their sort of get the facts thing, which actually didn't bring the user to some facts. It brought them to some Twitter moments that were just a bunch of other people's opinions. It's not a way of actually like combating misinformation. It's it, it's a highly opinionated and thus biased way of solving the problem. I would really hope that Facebook other social networks, figure out a way to not like moderate facts, but rather there's a difference between fact and opinion. There's also a difference between like the almost groundedness and the principle that governs your opinion. So for example, in in the case of what I just said, like Black Lives Matter is related to a fundamental right as a human which means that it is an opinion, but it is not a political opinion. And I think that's an important distinguish to be made, distinguishing factor to be established. And that is that that is separable from other more political things that um, other people might want to talk about. And that's what I found myself really struggling with to go back to like how I've been feeling, which I never actually answered. Um, I, I I've been really kind of sitting with a lot of this nuance and discussion and seeing a lot of people post these like 
interesting diagrams on their Instagram stories about like mental gymnastics people walk through to effectively like condone white supremacy. Um, and, and what we need to be thinking about and what I really am in like hoping Facebook and, and everybody is thinking about is like, let's, let's not be encouraging mental gymnastics to justify horrible things, um, yeah. not be turning it into a political circus, um, not be trying to like misappropriate values and principles and opinions as facts because they're not as much as like they are things I firmly believe they're not necessarily facts. Um, they're principles and let's call them what they are and let's talk about them and let's separate them from like the mental gymnastics people are applying to them to justify horrible principles. Yeah. Other than well that, said. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> it's really well said, you know, and as a Jewish person, um, I grew up in Israel and we had a lot of education about the Holocaust and um, Nazi Germany. And as a, you know, you start learning about this stuff in Israel when you're like eight, you know, seven, eight, nine, like they teach it starting in elementary schools and like we have um, Holocaust Memorial Days and stuff. And you, you just like really like all of the television shuts down on Holocaust Memorial Day and there's like no, no programming on TV. And it forces you to kind of just like face the reality of what happened in Nazi Germany with, with the Jews and the Holocaust. And one of the big questions that I kind of always ask myself is like, how did people just go along with that? Um, and, you know, it's just kind of like so um, raw still, I think in like the 90s when I was learning about it, that it was just kind of like assumed that something like that could never happen again. And it, it's as I'm getting older and I'm just kind of learning more about human nature and learning about how we're, we're programmed, I think something like uh, the heuristic for like, tribalism is so deeply wired into us that racism is kind of like a feature that we need to like kill uh, essentially um it's just not serving a purpose uh anymore for us from like a survivalistic perspective and i think that um just like the germans exterminate tried to exterminate the jews even though they're all like white by today's definition due to white supremacy ironically um, yeah. as a jewish man in america today i'm i'm lumped in with all the other white people even though white supremacists tried to wipe out my people in Eastern Europe. And it's kind of like, so, so this stuff is not new in Israel. Um, darker skinned Jewish people uh, from like Morocco or Iraq are discriminated against by lighter skinned Jewish people from the Ashkenazi countries like Russia, Poland, et cetera. Um, so like racism is to be found everywhere. But I think what the, the disturbing flavor of racism in the U.S. is um, it, it's complex, but it's systemic, essentially, and it's, I think, backed by a long history um, that starts at slavery, essentially. Um, yeah. and, and I think that um, even Jim Crow laws in the South uh, in, the, in the 20th century were extremely disturbing. Um, and now, I mean, I watched a video about redlining practices and how that's essentially cut like certain black communities out of financial uh, systems, like getting loans and getting mortgages for years and decades. Um, so we, we have like a very systematic racism problem in the US that is not, I, I don't attribute it to people's opinions entirely. I attribute it to like, we, we've almost like systematized a poor, uh, a worse treatment for people in our society based on, on like the color of their skin. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the thing that disturbs me the most. 
And if you couple all of that on top of concerns about totalitarianism and militarization of police, uh, even as a white person, I'm, I'm worried about the police becoming more militarized because it's like, you don't have to be black to be worried about that. I mean, yeah, you, oh, all yeah. of us are worried about, about the militarization of police. And um, I think if anyone commits murder against like innocent people, regardless of the color of their skin, um, they should go to jail 100%. And I believe our black population has been subject to more uh, of this kind of injustice than like any other colored skin uh, part of our population. And I think that's a really good place to start uh, with like fixing our systemic problems. Yeah, um, it's divine neglect of the future that you described in our system, which is racism. And it needs to be killed instead of neglected um to use dumb product metaphors yeah i see occasionally people in my net in my in my circle that defend the police and it's really frustrating watching that play out because in some ways i sort of get it um not 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 in in the way of defending racism and brutality because they just gotta go like it's unacceptable to me i'm definitely afraid of police for the same reason that you just described um and i have been honestly for most of my childhood because um i knew that i i'm gonna cut this all out that i would um if i broke the law i would be punished and i had no idea what punishment would look like and i was terrified of that um, turns out that for some people, that punishment is literally getting killed for doing something as low level as like getting into a dispute about a $20 bill. Um, it's crazy to me. Yeah. But um, there's, there's, like I said before, this like mental gymnastics of like who would have been the people to save all these lives when 9 11 happened? Who would have been there? Uh, to deal with this like serial killer or like awful thing and, and to, to the point that you just made before like they're missing the point anybody can be there like when we're when when people talk about defunding or reforming the police we're not talking about like getting rid of somebody who's going to save lives in the case of a national catastrophe we're just saying don't have those people murder the citizens that are already here doing nothing wrong if they commit a crime that warrants them like being punished for that crime, have them go through the same justice and arrest process that might not involve them getting killed. Maybe like, I don't wanna talk about the death penalty right now, but that's like, there are ways of resolving those issues. Don't let someone in the moment decide whether or not someone should live or die. That's all we're talking about here. That's right. And I was actually, I, I was actually trying to get into, and over the last couple of weeks into my head for um, what, wh so there's like, what could we do to make that true? To make it so that a police officer can't just like kill someone who doesn't like need, who shouldn't be killed for, for like, we, we all agree, yeah. like what was happening was a fucking murder. And I think that um, I'm thinking about police training um, and I think that there's like a bunch of people who are cops that should not be cops. Um, and I think that if the police was full of like high integrity individuals who could keep their calm under pressure and were not racist, 
Um, I think that would be fantastic. Um, so I would just like to see more, like if there's ways to just like, one, if there's ways to assess racism um, during the police screening process, um, I would really like to see some progress made on that front because I'm just imagining very simple like tests that you could devise where like you can show someone like a video of them pulling someone over and like they could be like white and another video can be like Hispanic and another video can be like black. And if you could like sense their adrenaline levels like go up like out of proportion for like the black person, you're like, whoa, red flag. Like this guy might lose his shit if like he's pulling over a black person. Whereas like they seem to be just perfectly fine if this person's white, like this is a racist, right? And then you may be like, you can at least act from a more informed perspective if you're like, there's a record of that, right? As you qualify that police officer and there's more accountability at like the police chief level or like someone knew that there was like red flags, that this person's racist and you let them hold a gun anyway. And then um, you lose your job. If like you hire a police officer who you knew was racist and then they commit some kind of brutality against someone who didn't deserve it, who's black. Um, by the same token, if like they just have abnormally high adrenaline rush from like a white person reaching for their wallet, I don't want that guy to be a cop. I'm sorry. But like if I'm reaching for my wallet and that stresses you out, um, you have no right to be a police officer. Not everyone's built to be a police officer. And like, you shouldn't be like that kind of person if me reaching for my wallet causes a, a spike in your adrenaline. Very well said. We're not saying that all cops need to be put in jail. What we're saying is, let's add a little bit more discretion as to who we let become cops. It's as simple as that. And maybe and maybe put some some restraints on what cops can do because like you just said very eloquently, um, I don't want to have somebody have their adrenaline heightened, let alone have the ability to shoot me and kill me if they don't like what I might be fidgeting for in my pocket, which is probably never going to be a gun because I'm not never going to own a gun in my life. Um, I, I was kind of like grinning and chuckling to myself a little bit because like, as we talk about this, like th this just feels like, like we're, we're talking about, we're, we're musing on the design of a, a system to improve an existing system. Um, and I just think it's funny as like product guys, like we're able to just like look at this problem, kind of break down what it really is. And I'm not saying that to like put ourselves in a, on a high horse. And I'm, I'm saying that because I think it's interesting how we as the way we think about things, we're already thinking about like, not terribly complicated solutions to some problems. And sure, some of them might require money or like drastic changes to process or um, instill fear in people who are afraid of like changing the way that they're doing things. But I, sign my, I find myself thinking like, if police institutions are not capable and actually actively discouraging the changes that so many people in this country want, like who do people bring in to enact those change? Is it quite as simple as, bringing in some like startup-y entrepreneur consultants to just like re-articulate re the problems that police departments are trying to solve and like set up some 
<laughs> literally like set up some two or six week sprints to just like actively push for change and and install yeah. in, new changes. processes we, we need to be seeing changes and if you're a police off if you're the chief of any police department um if you're in law enforcement you have a real problem right now and you have to um you have to address it and just like any any problem um you know we happen to like work on product but in general, any problem that needs solutions, you want to start by like breaking down where the problem originates and do, do like a root cause analysis. And my guess is, again, I'm not taking anything away from the systemic racism that exists, for example, and like why why it's harder for black uh, black communities to get like access to loans has nothing to do with the police. There, but 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 that's a systemic racism. That part of systemic racism is also what's happening with the police. But it's it's mm -hmm. a separate problem that we can unbundle from like the bank problem. What I will say is that under the umbrella of police brutality, I think we can get a massive amount of progress uh, on on the police brutality, um, especially against like black people, if we just don't have racist police officers. Um, I don't know how how possible it is, or at least not to give racist police officers guns, or not to give them access to like things that could cause violence against people. Um, maybe there's a bunch of desk jobs that like people who are like racist can do in the police. If I don't know, I I'm not condoning any racism. What I'm saying is like first step is like let's not let people who are racist like kill people who shouldn't be killed. I think that's like the number one stop. That's like a P zero, right? Like. Don't don't put people in positions of power who are likely to kill people in those positions of power and give them the justified ability to do so. Simple as that. Yeah, so that you, you stop that fire immediately. And then you can you can talk about okay, and like imagine a world in which being in the police is like a high integrity job. I mean, that's what it used to be. And I think ninety-nine percent of police officers, if I had to guess, are very good people. But there's like there's bad apples and bad apples ruin entire police departments. Um, I don't know if I agree with everything you just said. Um, you don't think sorry, most I didn't police mean officers are, are good people? It's not, that I, it's not that I disagree that most police officers are good people. I think that we're, I think we're again, kind of misappropriating what it means to be a good person versus what it means to be in a position of power where you can kill somebody. Um, and whether or not like you should have the ability to kill somebody as part of that job. Because I don't disagree with you that most people, including possibly racist cops, could be good people, depending on your perspective. But if you are, if one, if you are um, racist, then you're racist, and that immediately, like, just like takes that out of the conversation for me. But if you're in a position where you can kill somebody, we shouldn't allow you to be in a position where you can kill somebody based on a knee-jerk reaction. Um, yeah. Have you seen I, I actually I actually don't think having racist cops is the P0 because I think that is a much deeper, deep, more deeply um, rooted cultural problem that is possibly not fixable. Mm. What I think what, what what I find really interesting is like some of the calls that people have been making or, or call, things that people have been calling for that remind me often uh, of the like. Remember back in the day when, uh, not remember, because this is literally 100 years before either of us were born, when Henry Ford or whoever actually invented the car was realized that people weren't asking for a faster horse, they were asking for something completely different. Um, some of the things that are really interesting that, that I'm watching are 
the cities and towns that are starting to actually fundamentally rethink like what is the purpose of the police? What problem do they solve? And are they best fit to solve all of those problems, or are there actually better solutions to some of those things? Mm. Um, I personally think Minneapolis is going a little bit extreme by like dismantling the entire police. And they've actually like openly acknowledged. I remember uh, reading one interview where um, one of the counselors who was kind of calling for it openly acknowledged like we don't expect to solve all of our problems with this. Um, but there are th there are some interesting ideas that I've been seeing floating around being like, are mental health professionals or social service workers actually better fit for some of these domestic disputes than like having the police come into your house with like guns or should those forces be limited to like i don't know high like detective work involving serial killers or um or, or high speed chases on the highway or anti-terrorism or things like that mm. um Defend, depends on your definition of what terrorism is, which is a whole like interesting other wrinkle to this problem. But what I think is interesting as a product guy is like the the, the actual effort that is being made now to actually fundamentally question the purpose of things, which is what we do as product managers. We question like, really? why do people use this thing? Um, is it solving the problem that it should be well? What other problems is it solving? Is it solving those problems well? Should it be solving those problems? Are we actually biting off more than we can chew? Um, yeah. I find that interesting because I'm literally going through that to an extent in my day job right now. And it's interesting to me, like seeing the parallels between like that tiny microcosm in like enterprise SaaS and comparing it to like what's happening on a national scale with our like police institution and how we deal with public safety. Yeah. Totally. I agree. And I think that the the point I like about what you said is um, like the around like the what if a mental health professional uh, went to a domestic dispute instead of like police. Um, I like that idea and ideas like that because it, it has to do with like de-escalating the situation. And I think one thing that's in common for pretty much all of the police brutality cases that I'm aware of is that the police played an active role in escalating the situation rather than de-escalating the situation. And totally, um, uh, the police is the trained professional and any, any engagement you have with the police that has to do with law enforcement, they're the expert, right? Like they're the professional. And I think like we need to be able to rely on the professional to de-escalate situations rather than like escalate them. Um, so yeah, that's another good criteria. And then I was going to ask you if you've seen a show called, uh, Watchmen on HBO. Oh yeah. Loved it. One of the best shows of last year. Agreed. And I think there was a really, I was thinking about that because I don't know if you remember, but there, I, I think it was in that show, um, that in order for the police officers to be able to use their guns, they needed to get uh, approval. So it's like their guns were locked. And then the, the moment that they needed to use their gun, they had to essentially like radio in to like the, the person at dispatch and say like asking for authorization for un unlocking my gun so I could use yeah. it. And they're like, what do you need it for? And then she's like, I need it for this. And he's like, have you gone, have you like checked these procedures or whatever? And she's like, yes. And like they unlock her gun for her remotely and then she could like use it. Um, yeah. And I think that as the show highlighted, um, that, that is a, that's probably a good thing, um, for, for like nine, like the vast majority of situations, but she ran, you know, because it's a show and it's dramatized, obviously there it didn't follow like a clean script. 
And she needed her gun, obviously, at one point, and they couldn't get her the authorization fast enough. Um, yeah. So she found herself on the wrong side of a of a, of a essentially a gunfight. Um, so, so I think there's like really interesting ideas floating in the zeitgeist around around ways that you could like prevent the police from just like at their whim choosing to just shoot people. And I think those are ideas that are worth exploring too. Yeah, and to go back to the thing you said before about how like police brutality is one of the many faces of systemic racism. Yeah. I think there's absolutely a the, the same mentality we should be applying to those things. Police brutality is probably the most urgent. I think if I were to prioritize those big existential problems with systemic racism, literally not having black people killed by cops is probably the P0, um, giving them the ability to live. Secondarily, like, all the other p1s and p2s there um i don't i don't know how to prioritize them i'm not fit as a white male straight man to be doing that on behalf of black people however i think we should ask ourselves across all the institutions like what problems are those institutions and those processes and those whatever meant to be solved and are they solving those problems effectively for everybody for white people for black people for other disenfranchised minorities because yeah there's also like Hispanics and Asian Americans and all of these other people too. And if they're not best fit to solve those problems universally, then like what is a system that could? Let's like apply some first principles product strategy to all of this stuff. If anyone's listening slash like, I'm curious what you think about this uh, as the person I'm having this conversation with. Um, for some reason, I, I feel almost like a little uncomfortable applying a rational lens to something like this topic but i will say that i i'm the reason this is the lens i apply to the topic is because one i want i want to help the situation and this and two like this is like the main tool that i have like is my brain and um i don't think that me adding more emotional gas pouring more emotional gas on the situation will improve the systemic problem any faster than me applying like my brain to the problem and me thinking about it so I, if anyone's listening i don't want to i don't want it to sound like we don't like have an appreciation for like the emotional weight of the situation but i also think that i've been hearing a lot of calls to action from people both from minorities and not from minority groups that white people need to be part of the solution to the problem and i want to just say like this is a conversation between essentially two white people who are actively trying to break down the problem so that we could have like more specific steps in mind for fixing it and um it's not designed to like replace any sort of emotional relating to the to the the actual pains of yeah. the situation but it's, it's a, yeah it's an attempt an honest attempt at trying to like talk our way to towards a solution yeah i want to be clear that like i am my brain has been racked with this problem for several weeks and frankly on and off for the last several years every time i see one of these things in the news i find myself asking like why why the fuck is this happening um everyone's talking about how america is getting worse and worse over time and like i'm very aware of the fact that like it's it's always been this way this is not new i could argue that is getting better in some ways and that we're not like joyously lynching black people anymore but this is still awful for a lot of people in this country and I feel very um, uneasy as a straight white man with privilege 
um, thinking about all of this stuff. And I, like you said, Ben, I want to help. Um, and I think it's well said that like the ways that we can help, obviously there's money, obviously there's voice. And I think the other thing that we can do as like product dudes is like the one tool you have is your brain. Like, and the ways that we break down problems, is there a way, um, that we can be helpful in that way? I already mentioned that there's already people doing this stuff, asking questions of what is the fundamental purpose of the police, offering like real solutions to tackle specific problems with the stuff. So I'm I'm not coming into this conversation or coming out of this conversation thinking that we've come up with anything more novel or more interesting or exciting than anything that's already been thrown out there. As, as you already said, there's a bunch of interesting and really compelling solutions to a really, really big and awful and harrowing problem but i guess like what i'm thinking about is my own i i guess ability to break down why those ideas are coming out and for for people who are seeing like defund the police and like not really getting why um maybe applying some of that first principles product logic um might be helpful in trying to one empathize with and two just like break down and really understand what that means at the root of it um rather than seeing it and then freaking out that like oh they're gonna also like take away the people who other terror i don't know i'm now rambling um but i think what you said about like uh, us attempting to break this down and just like hopefully having that breaking down of a problem be useful it's useful to me because it's helping me with like, if anything, making this feel like an achievable thing to solve um, prior to um, prior to this past weekend where I feel like I, I sort of had a breakthrough when, when I felt refreshed and energized that like these things are now seeming possible. Um, there's actual concrete ideas that are starting to actually be, be given notice and states and cities are actually starting to talk about them um prior to that i felt this existential dread and like okay this is a thing that is not solvable because police unions are going to defend themselves to the death um congress is not going to change anything the president's obviously not going to change anything they're just going to keep escalating problems but in breaking down some of these things and actually seeing how um the wonderful thinkers in the in the black community that have actually been like proposing some of these ideas has gotten me like understanding of not just the problem i understand the problem but understanding how solutions can feel achievable and not just like unsolvable we, we i think i'm i'm genuinely convinced that humanity can pretty much solve any problem that we can set our our mind to as a society and if we ignore the problem it won't get solved um mm -hmm. so i think that i'm just so encouraged by all of the uh the protests and the amount of um like there's been a real show of support for um for, for humanity and specifically for the black community that just tells people hey like we have a real systemic problem but at least just so you know as people like we care about you. We value you. We see you as humans. You have a different skin color. Who cares? Um, we don't. We just see you as people. And um, I mean, I think that saying, you know, we don't care about the skin color is 
potentially part of the problem as well as as i've been told um as as i've read in the past like i think trying to pretend like the skin color doesn't matter is potentially further contributing the, to the problem but um mm -hmm. but what i will say is like the biological fact remains the difference is just skin color like that's it we're all people and um like i said i think there may be some evolutionary uh reason that we've just needed really quickly to tell who's with me and who's against me but we don't live in that society anymore we don't live in tribes of 150 people we live in complex tribes that are very interdependent um complex towns and, and communities and neighborhoods and we need each other we really do and um we we need to be able to trust each other and we need to be able to like hold each other up and support each other and um that's just like we're, there's no going back so we need to now develop society and I think advance it to a point where we can have 8 billion people getting along and not like othering people for any reasons that are just like honestly quite stupid in 2020 to to look at someone differently based on like the color of their skin um their sexual preferences like their gender it just feels like so out of date um mm -hmm. so i think that you know it's just so it's it's I'm optimistic that we can do this stuff and that we can get there because of this like massive show of support. And, you know, just to like kind of finish my thought with like the positive spin on technology here, um, this, this stuff like racism, institutionalized racism and police brutality has been happening for hundreds of years. And slavery is obviously like, the, the 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 thing that came before like the current wave of institutionalized racism and what i will say is like the fact that you can capture this stuff on camera now and you could just send it all around the world and force people to watch like the murder of someone for doing essentially nothing um we won't take this shit anymore like mm -hmm. we just won't and i think that i'm like every police officer in the country knows that they're surrounded now by people that have smartphones, that have cameras, that are connected to the internet, and that um, essentially like you're gonna be accountable like for what you do. And I think if you're a police officer and you can't bear that responsibility of being accountable for your actions, you should not be a police officer. Um, and like we, we would be better off without people who don't want accountability for what they do. Yeah. Well, possibly cruelly and unfairly um, being amused by the idea that, like, you think murdering black people as um, a very, very, very horrible, inhumane bug to the system. Socializing this stuff on social networks and sharing videos is the internet's customer support team yelling and screaming that this is a big big problem and towns and cities and states that are starting to declare literally declare police brutality against black people a public safety and health emergency which i'm super proud that like uh, a town that my wife lived in for a while and like one of my favorite suburbs of boston somerville and, and a couple other cities in in the us have started literally doing that they're saying no this is this is the p0 now this is not a thing that is just in our our backlog of issues we care about this is this is the most important thing we are declaring it a public health emergency um and i found myself amused at the fact that like 
product management is maybe gearing us up to uh, be uh, champions for public good. Totally. I think you need people. And it's crazy to think that there's organizations as complex as government arms of the government or like the police that don't have product managers or people that are tasked with like the skill set. Yeah, not 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 like software PMs, but like people that that apply this this way of thinking continuously to like make sure that the the practices don't become stale, that the bureaucracy doesn't hold back from like, I mean, the the, the customer of the police is like the civilians, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like we pay for the police. So like it's like the police have like lost track of that of that basic reality is like you serve us like we're the ones that that you're like accountable to so you know you and i would never imagine in a, in a technology company well maybe a dysfunctional one um a place where like the users no longer matter right yeah like, no no one no one in their right mind would say that in in our work environments but for some reason like we've gotten to a point where we're like with our government some they're like, yeah, what the people want is um, not the number one goal here. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, clearly this system needs some iteration because like the way that, that it's working right now is not functional. So anyway, I know we're, we're essentially at the hour mark. I found this super interesting, super interesting conversation. I think it was productive. And in the theme of product therapy, you know, I, I didn't really think it made sense for us to probably talk about a lot of other things um other than kind of something that's like very top of mind for for me and i i, I think it is for you as well yeah i i agree um it's it, it's important for professional a white privileged professional to not forget what's going on in the real world um this is probably the fourth time I've expressed my hatred and resentment towards LinkedIn, but like LinkedIn feels like a weird echo chamber that is completely ignorant to the real world. Um, and it changed in the last couple of weeks and I'm very happy about that. But yeah, we have to acknowledge what's going on in the world and think about, I, I found myself thinking about for sure, like, is there a, is there a role that I can play in being a champion for public good rather than being a champion or in addition to being a champion for a um <laughs> a for-profit business <laughs> um, yeah i think it's yeah it's spot on that it's it's tough to know exactly what to do i mean we're sitting here and having a good conversation with ideas but um you know like if i had you know if i wanted to like improve linkedin i i would try to find a way to like email someone who works at LinkedIn or get connected to someone and give them my feedback and feel feel heard or something but when it comes to like systemic systemic like systemic problems um who do you email like is it is it enough to like email do you email like the police chief in your town do you call your senator do you call your town your your mayor um who who exactly are you supposed to contact and what is the content of what you're supposed to like say to them uh, is, is very hard to like figure out because the problem is so widespread. But I think here in San Francisco, um, people are voting with their feet by getting out and marching. And I think that's good. People are voting with their dollars and supporting causes like, um, like we talked about earlier. I think people are um, using their social media voice to, to just like raise awareness. 
And I think that, um, you know, you and I here are doing what we know how to do, which was uh, apply our brains and maybe try to get some ideas out there. So if someone hears this and maybe we give them an idea that triggers another domino that triggers another domino, like it would be nice to know that we played some tiny role in someone doing more than we could think of. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, we we don't have the answers here, but I, all I know is that it's, I don't think it's acceptable any longer for us to just kind of like not talk about this and, and, um, you know, problems don't solve themselves. There it is. <laughs> Title. <laughs> Kidding. Um, yeah, that seems like a good place to call it. I gotta go anyway. I'm starving. <laughs> all right, man. We uh, we'll good talk to catch up a bit. Yeah, great chat, great chat. And uh, all right, man, enjoy your dinner. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Right.